Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And today we are looking at Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Um, A classic novel. That Kiara didn't like. I hated. Kiara didn't <laughs> Just like putting it. that out there. She really didn't like it. I didn't finish it. That's I right. <laughs> I valiantly tried. I finished it. It was a slog. It was tough. Just just putting it out there. Joseph Conrad himself didn't think it was much chop. And so, so yeah, it came as no, no, it, it gained uh It was in the sixties. In the sixties it gained a lot of momentum because mm. of a certain reason I can't particularly I don't remember. Know. Now I know why I didn't like it. It's even the author thinks it's crap. <laughs> I don't think though I just think he didn't like He didn't think it was one of his best works. Yeah, yeah. He just wasn't anyway. Oh <laughs> But I think but I think his style the style that I think you really didn't like is a consistent thing across all his writings. So anyway. So, Heart of Darkness. Uh, I'll try and sum this up as quickly as possible. One minute, go. It's about, it's about a guy named Marlo who uh, is recounting his, his youth when he travelled to the Congo to uh, be a captain of a steamboat, uh, which was trading ivory in the, Cong- the River Congo. The back Congo when that River. was still cool and not like, you know, a findable offence. Yeah, yeah. Back when... <laughs> yeah. Back when uh, ivory was was a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. These days, Um, and so he's recounting the story of him being absolutely fascinated with this man called what was his name, Mister. I don't even remember. Gatsby. Um, Um, it's Kurtz. Kurtz. Mister Kurtz, who I just kept imagining in my head as Gatsby, Gatsby. Um, because he's a fascinating character. Because he's this fascinating, mysterious character. Anyway, so this guy, um, it's basically him going up the the Congo River. Um, trying to repair his boat, eventually ending up across the Congo River to this guy's um, station where they were going to get him because he was quite ill and take him back. Um, many things happen, although you wouldn't know it in like the first two thirds of it because not a lot happens in the first two thirds of the book. Everything kind of happens in the last third. Um, they get attacked. They finally find this guy. He's apparently incredibly fascinating. He's going on the way back. He has these great dial, like these dialogues about stuff, and he dies on the boat saying the horror, or as The Simpsons is like the horror. No, I can't do it. But anyway, or like as Sheldon just- Cooper says, the horror. Yeah, I, it wasn't quite anyway. Well, now we know. Now you all know where that pop culture reference comes from, people. The horror. The horror comes from the heart of darkness. So, um, that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, it was a while ago that I actually finished it, so I probably haven't remembered a lot of it. But that's the Heart of Darkness, or Heart of Darkness. There's no that there. Um, so, what are we going to talk about, guys? I mean, look, I will be honest with you. I did come into reading this book just slightly prejudiced because this book basically single-handedly has done more has done a significant amount of damage to the Western perception of Central Africa. Oh, we're going to go into this debate. All right. Okay, I would say this book has probably has has done has you know and you know and Central Africa is okay. So there's several different kinds, and I also think it's probably the, it's also probably one of the reasons that nobody can bloody find Democratic Republic of the Congo or the Central African Republic on a map 
because got to admit, wouldn't know where it is. It's I know, I know right it's in the middle. I know where Chad is, so oh, I think I, I think I'm on a roll. You more than most, pe- you know, more than most people. Most people think Africa is a country. Hmm. Um, <laughs> a lot of people. Well, okay, maybe not. But a lot of people in a certain generation think Africa is a country. It's, it's continent, sure, but um, yeah. all right. Um, yeah, no, I think our like my politics lecturer once. Uh, he very rarely got angry. Very, very rarely got angry. But this one time, he went on a bit of a rant. And when he goes on a bit of a rant, you know to pay attention because he is very, very patient. And you know something had pushed him over the edge. But we were doing comparative politics, and he came out of it. We, you know, we had our half yearly, you know, mid semester exam, and he comes out of it saying one final comment: If anyone ever refers to in Africa again, <laughs> they're going to get a zero. And he was deadly dead serious because we're in Africa. <laughs> Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about like a book called In Africa. No, like, no, 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 no. People were writing in their comparative okay. politics right. like essay, say, in Africa, this happens. Yeah, it would be as weird as No, because as saying, you've got like different that's things like happening saying, in, for instance, Pretoria, then, but not that that, well, that's South Africa, to, for instance, uh, Ethiopia. It's a completely different political climate. Completely different so, culture. Completely different, you know. The north and everyone forgets north of Africa is North Africans look completely different to people BT in the dubs. south who look completely different to the people in the centre who look completely different. You know, it's a diverse continent. It's like saying in Europe, you know, people eat snails. <laughs> like seriously, that's how like yeah. stupid in Africa people do this. You know, I think people also forget Egypt a lot of the time as well. Yeah, Egypt. Well, that's, what, well, that's, that's what I think. That's what Kiara means is that you yeah. have like this where on ones you have like the zoo. Zulu, for example, mm. and then you have the Arabs. Mm. They're on the same continent. Yeah. Like, but then again, people will usually think of, I don't know, North Africa, even somewhere like Morocco, as being like part of the Middle East, even though it's south of. Well, they do class it. They do, it is- <laughs> well, there's a lot of. Uh, what people don't understand is there's a lot of cultural like overlap. For instance, my family's from Sicily, and we've got. Like You'd- we've got Arab words in our dialect. We've yeah. got Moroccan food. You're from the Moors. <laughs> well, no, be- well, no. Sicily there. was invaded yeah. by the, the by- Moors. Yeah, by the Moors several times. Well, and that's why people might get a bit confused. What? The Moors. <laughs> if anyone out there gets that joke, you are. I've totally a got it. To- totally got over my head. So anyway, we are sitting slightly off track. The other this reason I really didn't like this novel was because it was in first person narrative, and I hated Marlowe. You know what would have even made this story just a little bit better? The fact that someone might have maybe asked Milo to share his opinion. Because he kind of just, they're all sitting on a boat enjoying some silence and he just... Launches into this story. He just launches into his life story. (laughs) To To be fair, I didn't like... what. I didn't find it all that frustrating because I guess it was... I mean, I found it frustrating, but I didn't find it... What I found frustrating was... The, this, the fact that it was very difficult to follow in certain parts. At some parts, he would just go on this like tangent, go off uh, into the into the clouds, the, talking well, the, about something, and then he would come back, and you wouldn't know where he came back to. Now that can be very frustrating, but I also thought it was a little bit accurate. This guy, yeah. I thought, was like that's I how thought, people talk. That's how people talk. Like I kind of took the, this as being a bit like. Um, Oh, I'm really not good with the words today. Um, who's the guy who directed, like, um, Pulp Fiction? Oh, oh Tarantino. 
I took it to be a little oh, bit like Tarantino. Oh, you mean the de- delineated structure? And, the, yeah. and, Which and, you and know what? Sense yeah. of like Tarantino has this really good ability of being able to write scripts how people talk. Yeah. Yes. Like he doesn't care about cinematic structures and how to probably he'll and, you know, like, he'll have conversations about cheeseburgers in France. Yeah. Which adds nothing to the story. But it's what people talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if I took it from that kind of perspective of, like, this guy is just a guy who's kind of just but- talking about his experience and you're just a guy sitting there on the boat with him experiencing this story. But also, you were saying when we talked about this, when, he, when mm. it was fresh in your mind, that the experience of reading this de- delineated structure could be li- like likened to... Um, Joseph Conrad's experience in Africa of, of being de- yeah, like, I uh, felt like Africa. Was, <laughs> sorry, in the Congo, we did Central Africa, Central- somewhere. Okay. The Congo River's being, long. Okay, yeah, it is yeah. Long. Of being yeah. disoriented and a bit, a bit confused. Actually, um, yeah, that's true. I think the these are your words. So yeah, yeah. You thank, thank you for reminding me of my own words. I thought that one of the things about it was that. Um, the story, this guy going into Africa, you can quite tell. I'm just going to keep saying yeah, it. Yeah, I know you're going to keep saying it. Okay, I'm just going to keep saying it, all right? Um, because we're not sure where it is in Africa. It's just all the on borders the Congo have been somewhere. All the borders have been redrawn, redrawn since, too. So if they, even if they'd named places. Yeah, in Central Africa. There wouldn't be anything today. Going down, uh, down the Congo River was this experience of he had absolutely... His contact with this culture, he had no... Like, this culture was completely foreign to him. Mm. And also the fact that for the second half of the book, he's on this this boat going at, like, two knots or something. Like, it is... Yeah. It's, so, it's because his boat is basically he's broken a, down. He's on and a he talks about how frustrated... It takes them, like, a month to get to the place where they need to go. Maybe they could have just walked... And no, no. Too heavy. no, no, no. Like the forest, you can't walk through that. Oh. You can't, you cannot yeah. walk through the Congo. There you go, casually. we learned something about um, you cannot... foliage in Central Africa. Mm-hmm. Foliage anywhere. Roads are great. Like, <laughs> we don't, we don't remember. Like, tracks exist because people walked over them too many times. Like, if you couldn't, I mean, it's very hard not to Not to get mention, though, this, this area was not mapped. It's still not mapped. I suppose water is your safest option, even with um, not to various. Like, not to mention all the Aquatic gear you have creatures. to carry, mm, you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think if I don't think he was doing this on purpose, but if Joseph Conrad was attempting to try and through the kind of sort of enter the mind of Marlowe, in the sense of this being this strange story that kind of meanders about and goes very slowly and picks up and drops off in places was meant to parallel the experience of Marlowe in the sense of him trying to experience this culture, this slow trudge. It's He's done it well, if that's what he intended. No. Um, I'm not sure if he did, though. But something I remember I did mention was that... Um, I said that it was a bit like reading this was a bit like trying to remember a dream. Yes. Do you remember yeah. saying that? Yeah, saying that, yeah. yeah I got that sense. Do, do you get that as well? Like, reading this was a it's bit like... It's recounting a memory. A yeah. More, a memory from long ago. It's, but it's just sort so of like strange. Dorothy waking up a little bit. Because that's a bit like, you There's know. no place like home. No, <laughs> no place like the Congo. No, <laughs> as in, like, she's been somewhere quite fantastical. Yeah. And she's come back. And, and you were there? <laughs> and, and you were there? <laughs> and the accountant was there? <laughs> no, but, yeah, okay. Like, that was sort of what I felt like reading this. I mean, 
towards the end, I think it got a lot better. It was still, to a certain extent, quite frustrating, mainly because I could not figure out what was so fascinating about this Kurtz guy. But was he? He wasn't Afri- He wasn't. A, lo- a native African was he? No, 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 no. He was a white dude. He's white. He's white. I had um, he's a white guy, but he had like Colonel this... Sanders in my head whenever I heard of Kurtz. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I'm not really sure why. Colonel Sanders. He's oh, this guy that they keep on saying is just this absolutely fascinating character. And again, this is this is putting it out there to our listeners. If if you understand this a lot better than we do, please email us or yeah, like please something help it make sense. Because um, I couldn't quite figure out what was so fascinating about Kurtz's character. With Gatsby, the great Gatsby, that guy was a fascinating character. Mm. Fitzgerald really, um, he did that well. He yeah, he did that. Well. He did that quite well and made Gatsby quite a fascinating character. Did, when you met him, and everything comes together, it's like this guy is an interesting guy. He was he, not a good guy, but he was a fascinating. He was extraordinary guy. in the in the mo- in in the real sense of the word. He was extraordinary. Kurtz, yeah. I didn't quite get. Like apparently, this guy would like have these great. Uh, they would have these great conversations. There's this char- there's this Russian character who um, Marlow speaks to before he meets Kurt. They would have these great conversations about love and about like destiny or something. When you actually get to Kurtz, he he's just a guy. Like he's just a guy, and he says a couple of things, and he has these weird recountings of things. Uh, well, I su- Kurtz, he just you know, doesn't. He's he just, just doesn't... this guy. Well, know? I suppose Joseph Conrad up. was not a very good master of the show don't tell sort of thing it sounds like he was telling a lot and couldn't show I don't know Conrad I don't get know. your act together yeah, maybe, no but maybe he was doing it on purpose I don't know well perhaps it was to show a disillusion a with, with, with a person like it's sort of like perhaps it's like that's, this when that's one, of, that's one of the things is that when I was reading about this apparently um, I mean this is based on Kurtz was in Central Africa uh. Uh, at a period of his life and a lot of this was based on on that he was um He's Polish, but he was captaining a ship, or he was, he's English, he's from Poland, um, and he was captaining, like, a Belgian ship or something like that. And um, a lot of this, apparently, a lot of people have tried to figure out who he... He was referencing a lot of famous people at the time. There were a couple of incidents, Or I people think. that Joseph Conrad had travelled with as well. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple, I think, of um, current affairs at the time that were mm. going on in the trade... And that a lot of the characters in it were references to ca- to these real life people. Maybe there's a whole bunch of stuff happening here. Maybe there's a whole commentary that's happening here that goes over my or head. It could quite, we don't years know the ago. context, but it could quite simply be the fact that you know everyone's had it happen to them where you've got a friend and they're telling you all about this person. It could be a boyfriend, girlfriend, or just a friend or a lecturer or something, and they're saying he's so great, she's so great, so knowledgeable, tells all these funny stories. We do such great things together, blah, blah, blah and you meet them. As you're a, As a bit of a flat balloon, like what's so important about you know, I don't know. Perhaps it may, maybe yeah, it's that. I mean, he. I yeah, again, it's hard to tell if he's doing it on purpose or not. But I just sort of sense that this Kurtz is all that happens for this, like for the last two thirds of the book. This Kurtz guy, like Marlowe, just does not stop talking about the fascinating kind of thing. <laughs> of this Kurtz guy, he just wants to talk to him. He just thinks he's fantastic, and you get to him, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, any anyone else have anything to say? I've one of the things that I found, one of the things that sort of I think like sl- slapped me in the face rather abruptly was in the beginning, like right at the very very beginning of the book, um, when Marlowe is you know when they're on the when you know the opening of the book. 
I had no idea. I, I could not. I could not form a picture of this setting. Like, because he spends a good significant amount of time. I had the Jungle Book in my head, but that's because I well, just no, no, because no. I wasn't given a setting. Not so. well. No, no. In the, well, so in the beginning of the in the beginning of the book, right? You've got um, they're on the boat, and I gathered that they were on the Thames, and but. I don't know, because they weren't obviously down... They weren't obviously... They were obviously back home in England, I mm. think. But see, this is the thing. I don't actually know where they are. I felt the entire time they're there was actually island. no grounding in this book because he's so terrible at describing things. <laughs> no, in all honesty, some... I mean, I am not... I mean, I hated the description in this book because it actually gave me no image. Putting it out there, still thought it was better than Lord of the Flies. <laughs> still better than Lord of the Flies, yes, but... Oh no, on, Lord of the Flies. You know, but on par with someone like Tolkien or Tolstoy or uh, or Tolstoy, no way. Like, I'm not afraid of lengthy description. Like, I'm more than happy for someone to spend an entire chapter describing a moment to me if they can do it in a way that forms a picture. He just couldn't. I don't know what it was about the way he constructed the sentences or about the words he chose. It was because I think one of the like, things... I just felt totally decontextualised. It's all metaphor. That's what I think is the big problem there, is that it's just metaphor after metaphor, and that's how he weaves it. Your feet, never... your feet are never on the ground. It yeah, drives yeah, me nuts. It's all... It's, if, you, if you like metaphor, then this is your book, because it's just metaphor after metaphor. That's all... That's the way Marlowe talks. It's just all in metaphor. <laughs> um... I have, yeah, again, really frustrating for me. Really frustrating for me to read. But also, Marlowe is a really boring kind of character. See, first person. I don't mind first person narratives. It's the person who is the first person whose eyes you were seeing through. Yeah, there was is a, interesting. Marlowe is not. It was it. Um... See, this is another parallel with The Great Gatsby. I think because Nick Carraway is not that interesting either. No, so it's using it. Using again, it, I didn't particularly like Nick Carraway. Well, this is the thing: it's using an average Joe but, to look at, look at as supposed. I'm using quotation marks. Extraordinary man, but I suppose. But you did like um, the man who was Thursday. I did like the man who was Thursday. Mm. I did like the man who was Thursday, but that wasn't Which quite. Is, that wasn't oh. a first person narrative, was it? Yeah, it was. Was it? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was a um, no man who was Thursday. I thought it was, was from the perspective of. Um, Oh, maybe it wasn't. No, no it wasn't. It was right. a third person. It was third okay. person. The opening thing is about Saffron Park, and it's very, yeah. like, bird's eye view. Yeah. Okay, no, you're um, right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, okay, no. I can't mind. remember, though. You might Never mind. Check. But the, the parallel, I guess, I want to draw between those two is that I think that Chesterton's writing is also quite... I, I made the... I, I said something back when we were doing The Man Who Was Thursday. I don't know if I was said in the recording or if it was just to you guys, but reading this, reading The Man Who Was Thursday was a little bit like looking at an Impressionist painting. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's beautiful. It's just like words that kind of... And like when you look Big at the individual words... When you look at the individual words, it's like, I have no idea what's going on here. But if you read it in a flow... It all makes it's, sense. It suddenly all makes sense. This, I think, tried to do tries to do that as well. It uses a lot of metaphor. Fails miserably. But I was lost. I felt like, like I was lost. There a lot was of no the time. bigger picture. There was no. There wasn't. Yeah. There was like you know you you went up close to see try and see the brushstrokes, and then when you step back, they still didn't make sense. Because that's the impressionist painting is that if you look at it really close, you'll never know what it is. But it's not until because they paint with big brushstrokes in solid colours. But when you step back, the whole picture come, the whole picture suddenly becomes clear. This story, no, there was no stepping back and there was no big picture. It was just 
Uh, you were just inside, having, having, you were inside this man's head and you really didn't... I did not want to be there. <laughs> like, I really didn't want to be there. I think he was there. doing it on purpose. I, I just keep I on hope he was doing it on purpose. Despite what we're saying in terms of criticising this, this piece of work, it is actually, I should mention, on the reading list of many European, American and um, African university reading lists. As yeah, a side note, because of... Is that but... Is that because it's of more of the, the context, racial? as far as I'm aware? It's because of the racial discourse, mm. I think. Um, however, people people don't think it's completely devoid of literary uh, techniques or anything. And to be honest, I didn't think it either. I, yeah. It was. And so. like I said, when I say when I'm being, I'm very very heavily critical of this book because I found it really painful to read. And as far as I'm concerned, my definite, you know, in, from my, it could have all the literary qualities in the world, but I don't. <sighs> quotation marks around everything just to remind you that he's still talking it's like being stuck with someone who's telling a really boring story and you just can't follow it not like that aunt that corners you and yes at the corners you in a party <laughs> or corners you a party and launches into some story and you have no idea where it's going and or no even better when you're having a conversation with someone who's totally airheaded and you ask them a question you know what time do i what time are we meeting up today well i've got this appointment here and then that appointment there and then i'm gonna do this and blah 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 what time do I have to meet you? Like, I don't care what else you're doing or what you have to do before. What time? Yeah, that's a bit like what this story was like for me, and I find that really frustrating in everyday communication. <laughs> so I'm not going to enjoy it when it's written down. Um, we all know people like this. We do. So then, speaking of the racial discourse, I wanted to. Um, yeah, because I didn't something. actually get up to the good bit. It turns out. Well, I mean. I think one of the things, one of the big debates, I think it seems that's been going on with reference to this is, um, is this book racist? Because it's, it's painting of the African culture is pretty... It's not very nice. But it's not... See, this is, this is the thing. It's not like... Um, it's kind of... I, it's There's this revealing part of the book that I didn't see in any of the sort of commentaries on racism, but maybe I just didn't look very much um, in this book. I really didn't look that that much. Um, and that is there's this section there where um, he's on the boat uh, and he's going past... So Milo's on this boat on the Congo and he's going past the shore and there's these... Um, the African people, the Congolese people in this kind of manic dance. This this dance of, like, um, yeah, I guess an uncivilised people. And he makes this comment, Marlowe, in it, that he says that um, he felt this great urge to want to just join them, to kind of just strip off and go there and join them. And he kind of has this little discourse, as he does, because he goes on this tangent, of this fascination within himself of that he is capable of that that really I can't write them off as not being human because they are and I have them within me. And I think that's a really fascinating thing to me because I think that any of the accusations of racism within this book, like at this book, kind of miss that point that he's not saying that people of different races are unhuman, are subhuman or anything like that. He's not going with this polygenism garbage that says that, you know... X race is genetically inferior to Y race. What I think his point is that him, Marlowe, in his context, simply has, I guess you could say, the fortune of being raised in a civilised society, and they don't. 
and so he's just culturally different. Whether that's a valid interpretation of what's being said there is up for debate, and I'm sure there has been a lot of debate on this for the last 40 years or so. But nonetheless, um, I think that's something that, that's interesting, is that you do get this sense of, although within the book itself, it doesn't seem like Marlowe has much sympathy for the, for the character, for the African characters, you can't read it without having sympathy for them. It's dreadful. And you do kind of see that Conrad was perhaps trying to highlight the absolutely disgusting practices that were going on in Africa at the time, and he was very much aware of how disgusting they were and that these are our fellow human beings. I got that sense from it. Maybe there's other interpretations of it that say otherwise, um, but I certainly saw this as almost being like a piece of activism against how they were treating Africans in the trade at the time. Is there, there's, is there anything about, the, as in like the slave trade at the time? Or? They were most certainly slaves. And like in the yeah. sense of like just that they would just go and die. Like they would just be, they would just be marched and they would just die. There would be like, there was parts where they were walking through the forest, I think. And at one point they come over a dead guy on the ground. Like it's really like stuff like that is really raw. And yeah, I I don't, maybe, maybe it's just 21st century context that I think that any reference to Africans dying is obviously trying to elicit sympathy from me. Maybe that's just a 21st century thing, but I can't read <laughs> no. it. I can't read it as not trying to elicit sympathy from me because it's quite clear that it's disgusting what was going on uh, in, in this book, what was happening to them. As I say, the main character is not sympathetic towards them at all. No. But, but the main character doesn't have to be sympathetic. You can come across, you can push across. It doesn't need to put in big capital letters on a giant sign in front of the book saying, by the way, guys, this is a bad thing. Like, you can read that because you're a human person with a conscience into the book. You'd hope. You'd hope. Um, I mean, I suppose the the other thing to... The, but given the fact that this, is net, that this book has sort of been plucked out of its context um, and has been read so widely now these days, particularly mm. at a university level, but also in sort of a late high school level, I don't... The perception, just reading it itself and reading nothing else about Central Africa or, or just going and Googling the current news stories going on in Central Africa, it builds this narrative of Africa as this wild, savage place and all Africans are Joseph Coney, basically. And that's... That's... <laughs> um, that's... You know, that's and that's why I have a problem with this book, because it's reinforcing that by chattering about it endlessly. People bring this book up all the time and go on and you know, say, well, it obviously hasn't changed in, you know, 100 years or something like that. I'm like, you're not seeing it. And I think that's, is it Professor Professor Achabe? I'm not sure if you pronounce that. Apologies to the pronunciation To of the that dear word. professor out there. We do not um, mean to mispronounce your name. He's the one who really brought up this this point of racism. And he brings up that at the time you look at along the Congo, you have civilizations. Okay, they weren't Rome, but mm-hmm. but you had culture you had culture. You had vast there, complex culture. cultures, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and so to Yeah. Um so what we yeah exactly exactly what you're saying there. If this if you try and treat this book as a historical perspective on Central Africa in the late 19th century, 
Um, you need to. You're going to come. You, you you really need to look at other things again. Maybe Joseph Conrad was so horrified by what was happening at the time, and that all the literature on Africa at the time was basically oh, you know, such uncivilized people. Oh, isn't that horrible? Rah rah rah. That perhaps this was the one blip of him trying to highlight that. When was it written? Mm. I get the sense it's at least, you know, it's Sorry, slavery was sort of abolished in the late 1800s, 1880s in England. So I get the sense it's at least it's around that time period. That's after the Enlightenment. Yeah, of course. Oh, because yeah, because yeah, with yeah, the Enlightenment yeah. came the whole notion of the, the noble savage. So but, it's, it's but, quite but, but, possible. But this, was, this would have been square in the middle, and in fact even preceding, the the whole thing about race, the the eugenics, the eugenics so discourse of the it's war. It's hard to kind of right. put this in a. And in this is also context. social. Yeah. This is also sort of the, the high time of social Darwinism. Like in the beginning of the book, of before Marlowe yeah. goes off to Africa, the doctor measures his cranium because yeah. there was a theory running a a, sci- a, you know, a legit scientific theory running around at the time that. Criminals had a different size oh, crania this, this? to non-criminals, and therefore there was no hope for their rehabilitation. Africans were inferior because their craniums were a different size to is this Eurasian people. Where the Caucasian branch people. of phrenology comes along? Yes, it is. Wow. Okay. Yes, it is, and that was also a rather very, very that was also a very unfortunate blip in Humble scientific theory. To yes, be circulating. Anyway, yes. yeah. So there's there's so there is a lot you could talk about this book, which. We can't. Hence why it's in the universities now. Yeah. Um, but we really do have to wrap up. Um, so, I don't know. What do we want to do next time? Do you want to just leave it open-ended? Keep everyone in suspense? I think we need to leave it open-ended. Because I, I think we need to put our heads together and get a game plan. Yeah, yeah a game plan Wait, for new, 2015. It's a new year. Yep. It's a new year. Um, so, please continue to send us your suggestions. We've had a couple of different suggestions um so please continue to send them um, um, also if you have anything for, to further enlighten us on this book we'd very much appreciate it yeah i'm sure because we're obviously not the authority it. on anything we're learning as well along with you yeah and it's a dynamic kind of relationship between us and a lot of the you time, listeners please this, help us yeah <laughs> this show this show is often very much a, we're not we don't sit here for a day and reflect on this and then record the show. A lot of this is just our raw, off the cuff sort of deal with it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're um, probably glad you didn't hear so. my. You, we probably didn't hear my first off the cuff reaction because that was made off mic, and I think <laughs> it's probably a good thing because it involved characters. Let's not go there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so that's that's Joseph Conrad's. I was going to say the man who was Thursday. Um, that was Joseph, Joseph Conrad's Heart, Heart of, of Darkness. Darkness. So. Next time, we're going to have a surprise for you once again. Um, So please continue to listen to us in this new year and send us your thoughts, your feedback, your suggestions, and we will speak to you next time. Yes. Bye-bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.